0: G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. I reckon one of the most gripping passages um, in all of Scripture, um, in my opinion, okay, comes from the Old Testament wisdom book of Ecclesiastes. Have you read Ecclesiastes recently? There are some crackers in Ecclesiastes, really wonderful, rich, wry kind of uh, passages. Um, And Ecclesiastes, in in this bit that I'm about to read to you, reflects on that the hollowness of our life's work when it becomes unhinged from God, how hollow our life's work feels when it becomes disconnected from God, cut off from a sense of purpose and meaning and all of the rest. Uh, So read along with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 17 where the teacher tells us, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun, right, under the sun, on this earth, kind of but without God so much, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And who knows whether he'll be a wise man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labour under the sun, For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge and skill and then he must leave all he owns to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. (laughs) If nothing else, it's gripping reading, isn't it, from that uh, Old Testament wisdom book there in Ecclesiastes but it's really heavy as well. Now you might be wondering why why start a sermon on Sunday? Why start a Sunday morning with such a desperate, really a very hollow picture of our life's work as in Ecclesiastes 2, especially given that, I think most of us, we hope, don't we, when we come to church each uh, each week, um, that church is going to help us reflect on the the week of work, whatever that, whether it's, you know, employment or whether it's whatever it is that we've been doing, help us reflect on the week that's just been with something of a sense of kind of relief and perspective and help us look ahead to the week that's coming uh, with some optimism and sort of, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to get back into Monday morning, whatever that looks like for you. Um, So, why so bleak about work? Well, it's simply this, we'll take a look at Luke chapter 5 and I think we see Jesus there take a moment in the lives of these fishermen, Simon Peter and James and John and the others, this moment of hollowness in their careers, if I can put it that way, a moment of emptiness in their labour, a moment where it has all come to nothing and Jesus uses it to get them thinking about what really matters in life, what really counts, what their effort is being spent for, what they are going to give their lives to, what their lives will amount to in the grand scheme of things. Um, But, and this is important as we're going to see, far from being this crushing moment of judgment and despair and a sense of meaninglessness, Jesus calls these men to a life of meaning, to a life of substance, even I I think fulfilment as we see there in Luke chapter 5, and not just self-fulfillment for themselves so that they feel good about life, but fulfilment for the world around them, the people around them in their lives. So I think this is what Jesus is calling them to there. And I think these, these fishermen, they're shown a, a picture of fullness that we would do well to, to kind of reach out and take a hold of for ourselves, not only in our work, but in all of our lives. So that's where we're going today and that's why the bleak start. Let's pray as we come to Luke chapter 5. Father God in heaven, as we come to the rich wisdom of your word now, and especially the supreme wisdom of your son, your whole message to mankind wrapped up in that one God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you to please give us spiritual insight into our own lives That leads to wiser living in this world. Father, too often we look at our own lives or we look around at the lives of our friends and our loved ones where there's an awful lot of striving and straining and effort and yet somehow the things that really matter evade us, escape us, we never get around to them or we don't feel like we've ever quite done enough and so we do have this hollow moment from time to time of wondering whether it all matters in the grand scheme of things. Father God in heaven, thank you that you are our God, that you love us, that you placed us in this world, in our lives, in this world to work it and take care of it and to love one another. So may we learn today from your word, may we learn of fullness, may we learn of fulfilment and how to put all of that stuff together around our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So um, what I've been edging around here with Luke 5 in mind is simply this. Um, Don't we all know what it's like to have had the kind of day that Simon Peter had there in verse 5 in Luke chapter 5? Can we look at it together? Um, Have you ever had the kind of day where you get to the end of it, tired tired Uh, perhaps more than a little frustrated with the day that you've had maybe there's some bitterness even creeping into your heart Uh, and you find yourself asking this question you know I, I don't think I've got anything done today did I actually manage to achieve one single worthwhile thing in my life today have you ever had a day like that Luke chapter 5 and verse 4, when Jesus, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And verse 5, here it is. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Can you hear it there? Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Have you ever said to yourself, did I manage to achieve anything worthwhile with my day today? And for us, for you, I don't know, look, perhaps my day was entirely my fault. You know, I made a mistake, you made a mistake in your setting out the job first thing in the morning, and everything from there was wasted energy. You know, you spent the afternoon tearing back out the very things that you spent the morning building in place um or perhaps it was it was your fault in another sense you know it was it was my fault in the sense that i frittered the day away just wasted my time procrastination or or stalling and so many hours later um what are you doing you're sitting there in front of the computer and the cursor is still blinking at you on that empty document that is supposed to be your essay by now and all you've achieved with the day is bring the deadline one day closer uh, then there are those other days, are these more frustrating? I think so, uh, when perhaps it's not your fault at all. The fault lay with someone else that you've been thoroughly unproductive with your day um, because uh, perhaps it's, it's their fault. They changed their mind. They've turned around now and said, oh, I don't want that anymore, actually, thanks very much. Uh, and, and so everything that you did achieve, which was great and you were proud of, has now come to nothing and you've got to rip it out and chuck it in the skip bin anyway. Or perhaps your daily work is frustrating in other other ways, it's raising the kids. Uh, And you're surveying your house late in the evening, you're surveying what can only be described as a wreckage. And sure, you're thankful that they're all still breathing in their beds at, what, 10 o'clock and they've only just got to sleep. But gosh, you wish you could have that day over again, what a waste did I actually manage to achieve a single thing worth doing today? See, and it's into that moment that Jesus speaks to these men. And of course, we heard the upshot. If we skip down a little bit further to halfway through verse 10, uh, if we skip down there, we can see the upshot. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men, you'll catch people. So what did they do? They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything And followed him. But I'd like to show you this morning, uh, friends. I mean, if that's kind of the crisis and there's the upshot of it, I'd like to show us this morning that in three respects, This isn't just Jesus exploiting a vulnerable moment in the lives of these poor fishermen to twist their arms to get them to help him out. What we have here in three respects here in Luke chapter 5 is Jesus inviting these men to live for something greater and something deeper, something more substantial. And whether uh, they stayed as fishermen in a sense, although that wasn't their journey, whether you stay as a, a fisherman or a plumber, or studying at this stage in life, or mumming, the call of Jesus on our lives to join Him in His mission is one that could make a real change for us, whatever our vocation. Three respects. Uh, So let's take a look at this story under three headings and firstly, let me ask it like this, did Jesus need their fishing to fail in order to make the Kingdom of God work, look a little bit more attractive? Is that what's going on here in this passage? Did Jesus need fishing to fail in order to make the Kingdom of God look a bit more attractive? And I want to say, have a look at the story with me. It's pretty obvious. The answer there is no. Jesus doesn't actually exploit this vulnerable moment um, in that direction at all. Now, how do I know that? Because Jesus doesn't actually call them away from fishing when fishing has failed, does He? Have a look at the text with me. They uh, They don't leave fishing... When fishing's gone down the gurgler, uh, they leave fishing when they have got more work than they know what to do with. Have a look with me, verse 4. So when he, Jesus, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets." And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Folks, what do you you think is the the miracle in this text, actually? Is it that, um, is there a hint here? Was it that Jesus knew the fish were there? Or was it that Jesus drew the fish into the nets? Is there any hint in the text there? I'm not sure that there is. Either way, these seasoned fishermen, their their business was fishing, they knew the fishing business there on the Lake of Gennesaret, And they knew this is a thing from God. However, it's worked. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. You see, whatever else we might say about the work uh, that Jesus calls these men uh, to share in, the the fishing for men that eventually they get um, called to, I think Luke wants us to see this, the work of Christ from beginning to end has the hand of God in it. Is that going to be something for you to get behind? Um, But hold up a minute because whether Jesus knew the fish or drew the fish, if Christ At this point in the story was aiming to draw these men away from their trade to come and join him in his, then what on earth is he doing giving them a bumper catch? Did you wonder that? Like why why not get them at the vulnerable moment? Why send them out and give them, you know, a catch that breaks their nets and sinks their boats nearly? Does that strike you as a weird way to get them from their job? And I think the key to understanding this passage and the key to shedding light on that question comes when we realise, This story doesn't start at verse 5, it starts at verse 1. Have a look up there with me. And it doesn't start with their work day, it starts with his work day. The hand of God is at work in this man's ministry. And folks, the nets are full to chock-a-block. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people Crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Brothers and sisters, why the boat? Why did he need the boat to be put out a little from shore? I I presume. It's because his nets were full to bursting, wasn't it? Crowding around, crowding to hear the word of God from this uh, man from Nazareth. And you and I both know exactly how well sound carries across the water. I mean, you know, if it's not blowing a gale and there's not waves and everything, but when it's still, doesn't it carry? You can hear those two blokes way out there having a conversation with their fishing rods in hand. And so he's got this crowd crowding around him, bustling and pushing him and crammed and full as he's on the shore, put out a little bit, let me go in your boat Simon. Verse 4, here's the end of his workday, when he had finished speaking. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I think what we need to see here, friends, is that Jesus didn't call those men, Simon and James and John, and Jesus doesn't call us into a mission that eh, may or may not work. Who knows how it will go? It's a bit of a roll of the dice, really, the kingdom of God. Who knows how it will turn out? No, no. I think the point of the catch of fish has got to be this, doesn't it? Simon, I don't just know how to catch a net full of fish. Look at the shore, would you? From this vantage point out here, look at the shore, look at my nets full to bursting there on the shore. I know how to fish for men. Fellows, come and spend your energy with me. Come and spend it on the kingdom of God. Come and spend it in ways that are going to change lives. Won't you, won't you do that with me, Simon, James, John? Verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed Him. Now, brothers and sisters, um, I want to say, there's a lot that can be said about work. Let me just digress for a moment. There's a lot that can be said about work across the whole Bible, isn't there? Um, And this isn't really a passage, And so it's not really a sermon that's trying to give you this fully developed, fully rounded theology um, of your work. We did that actually not that long ago, didn't we? We did a series on work here. You can still get the sermons on the website. Um, There's so much to say about work. Biblically, work is good. It's not an evil drudgery in itself. Work is good. It is valuable. Um, God created us in this world to do it uh, and to do it well. There is significance in good work done unto the Lord, uh, whatever your vocation, in your work. And and by work here, I mean, whether your employment um, or how you are spending your retirement, uh, in your parenting, in your study, or the the stuff you do in your own time, whatever that means for us as Christians, after all, all of our time is um, unto the Lord. The Bible lifts those things up as worthy avenues for you to serve the Lord in your lives and serve the good of your fellow man, our fellow man. Um, but this passage is, is trying to say something important, something narrower, but I think something complementary to all that. And it's simply this The call of Jesus on your life is a call to discipleship that at the very same time is a call to mission, his mission to share in his kingdom work. The call to discipleship is a call to mission at one and the same time. Um, Darrell Bock, one writer, he, he says two very helpful little comments here. Two, firstly, he says Jesus gathers disciples, not because he needs them, but because they need him. And we'll come back to that in just a moment. But the second thing Bock says is, here is the first discipleship passage in Luke's Gospel which also is a call to mission. Those who respond to Jesus are to follow him in calling people to God. They are to be fishers of people, even though they, as fishers, are sinners. Um, There's a bloke in America, um, a cartoonist, um, an essayist named Tim Crater, Tim Crater and um, you, you may have seen his work before, He's he's been published in things like The New Yorker and um, The New York. like he's kind of a big deal, Tim Crater um, and uh, he writes all these essays and, and, and so forth and um, anyway, Tim Crater, he has these serious doubts about whether our life's work really matters quite as much as we make it out to matter most of the time. Quite as much as we tell ourselves that it matters. Uh, um, to my knowledge, Craig is not a Christian man, he may be, but that, on my read of his stuff, um, I, I haven't made that out. So he's not quite pushing in the same direction, but I really appreciate the way that he gets me to stop and think about all of the things in my life that I get in such a flap about from time to time, such a cause such a flurry in my life with all of this stuff. Uh, and might there be something more pressing, more worthy, more glorious perhaps to put my shoulder to, to get excited about. Um, Anyway, here's Crater. He says, he says, yes, I know we're all very busy, but what exactly is getting done? Are all those people running late for meetings and yelling on their cell phones? Are they stopping the spread of malaria or developing feasible alternatives to fossil fuels or making anything beautiful? This busyness, he reflects, serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you're so busy, completely booked, in demand, every hour of the day. All this noise and rush and stress, he says, seem contrived to drown out Or cover up some fear at the centre of our lives. I know that after I've spent a whole day working or running errands or answering emails or watching movies, keeping my brain busy and distracted as soon as I lie down to sleep, all the niggling worries and big-picture questions that I've successfully kept at bay come crowding into my brain like monsters swarming out of the closet the instant you turn off the nightlight. <laughs> and folks, if you can relate to that at all, if you've ever asked yourself, does this even matter, this thing that I'm so worked up about, this thing that I'm pouring all my energy into, what, what am I doing with my life? Then I think the third and final respect in which Jesus calls his disciples to share in his mission with him may be the most important for you of all. Uh, It's why I've included the story of the leper in this week's sermon, although equally it could have gone with next week's. Uh, It's the realisation that Simon Peter needed to come to there in verse 8. You see, the Lord Jesus, who can and will fish for the men and women of this world, the Lord Jesus, who has the very hand of God at work in his ministry, the Lord Jesus would have me would have you, even you, for a work that we are not worthy to be a part of. He would have you to be part of a work that you are not worthy to be a part of. Jesus wants fellow workers in his mission and he will see to it that you are made fit for that work. Do you realise that's part of your call to be his disciple? Have a look with me at Luke chapter 5. We'll just quickly scoot over from verse 4 again. (coughs) So when he'd finished speaking, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, here's verse 8, he fell at Jesus' knees and said to him, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything And followed him, can you picture the scene there for just a second? Would you honestly want the job of standing out in front of that massive, bustling crowd there on the shores of the Lake of Gennesaret? Jesus' net, as it were, full to bursting with those crowding around, eager to hear the Word of God, expecting to see the hand of God in this man's ministry. Would you want the one of standing in front of that crowd and sharing in that work? Peter knew who he was dealing with, at least in some measure. See, but I reckon reckon Luke has put this next story here to reassure the Simon Peters amongst us. Go away from me, Lord, who know that we're not fit to share in the kingdom work of Jesus. I reckon Luke has put this next story here to reassure every sinner, every reluctant, unworthy, would-be fisher of people. Because Jesus wants you, he wants me, he wants us to share, to be, to follow, to join, not necessarily to leave your job, that's not what this sermon's particularly aimed at, it might mean that and it's worth considering, but whatever you're up to, He can make you fit for the task that He has in mind for you in your life to see more people come to the nets of Christ. Just notice as we read this next bit from verse 12, this is the last bit for us. The leper, what does he come and ask for? He doesn't ask for a healing. Have a look at the words with me as we read through, if healing was all that he wanted, he could have asked for that. Um, No, he asks for something far more important, he asks for a cleansing and you see the difference Between a healing and a cleansing, a healing is purely medical, but a cleansing is thoroughly spiritual and it makes all the difference in this text. Jesus, can you make me fit to return to the Lord? Jesus, are you willing to cleanse me to share in the service of the Lord? Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground. Where have we seen that posture just a few moments before? He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And you know what it was to have leprosy in those days, don't you folks? That they were the walking dead. And as Jesus fished for men and women, real men and women of this world and as His nets grew full to bursting in His ministry and the shores lined with people and the people crowded around, real people, Jesus touches a leper. He touched the untouchable. He reached out and touches a man who wouldn't have known human touch I can only imagine for how long, perhaps years? Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, I am willing, he said, be clean. So to conclude, brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to ask you, have you felt the hand of Jesus on your shoulder in your life? I don't mean a spooky kind of weird experience sort of a thing. No, have you, have you felt the hand of... I'm, I'm simply talking about the call of Jesus to you in the word of the gospel. Have you felt the hand of Jesus on your shoulder? Come and join me. Come and follow me. A word that says, I know what you've spent your life on so far. I know. Come and follow me. A word that says, I know what it is to be spent and, have, and to look at your work and look on the dent that you've made in the world and, and wonder, has it come to nothing? Come and follow me. A word that says, I know that your life has counted for less than it should have done and less than you'd have liked it to. I know, but I'm willing. Be clean. Come and follow me and become a fisher of others. Hear these words, won't you, this morning? Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. How about we pray together? Our Heavenly Father, as your word tells us, asks us, what have we to fear? If God is for us, who can be against us? Dear Lord, we give you thanks, we give you praise for Jesus this morning because, God, it is a precious thing to find in him someone who knows just exactly what I'm like, exactly what we're like and exactly what we've done and knows precisely who we are and yet who reaches out to take a hold of us in love and in grace with mercy, with forgiveness. Father in heaven, would you please deepen within us a sense of wonder and gratitude at your desire to save us and to have us. And God, would you then please place on our hearts what that might mean for the people around us in our lives, perhaps especially those around us who aren't yet in Christ's net, so to speak. Father, we ask that our lives would have that character of open-hearted generosity if Jesus cleansed the leper, then he can cleanse anyone. If, he, if Jesus wanted Simon the sinner, then he desires real, ordinary, flawed human beings. Father, we pray that we would fish for real, ordinary, flawed human beings with the gospel of Christ. This very week, would you please open up a door of opportunity in our lives to represent Jesus and then would you give us please clear eyes to actually recognise it, courage, courage, to go ahead and take a chance for Christ in our lives. Father, we ask all of this in Christ's precious name. Amen.